Welcome to episode 29 of the Lisa Fisher Said Podcast. I'm Lisa Fisher, a longtime broadcaster and journalist in Arkansas who's been in front of a microphone or a camera since the 1980s. I think of myself as the queen of Arkansas media. My guest for this episode is part one of the conversation with the one and only pioneer woman, Reed Drummond of Pawhuska, Oklahoma. You'll get to meet her right after this. This episode of the Lisa Fisher Said Podcast is brought to you by these exclusive Arkansas businesses like JM Foods in Little Rock. JM Foods is where food dreams are made of. These gals, the J.S. Janice, the Emma's Melanie, well, they were raised right by a mama who instilled a passion for good food to them. I have loved these girls since I first met them, and that was in the 80s, long before their heavenly creation of the original cheddar cheese straw was invented. No one makes a cheese straw like Janice and Melanie. I say the same thing about their lemon tea cookie. The key lime tea cookie. Oh, the things with the chocolate chips or the cranberries. Go to their website and you'll see what I'm talking about. Guys, this is the real deal when it comes to gourmet treat boxes. Order something today for a fellow foodie or maybe someone who just needs a delicious reason to be happy. They will, thanks to Janice and Melanie. I have the information in my show notes. Let's delve into food just a moment before we talk to the Pioneer Woman, and let's do it with a Little Rock, Arkansas company that will help you succeed in the kitchen. It's Eggshells Kitchen Company. Eggshellskitchencompany.com is the website you can hop on right now, and I'll give you a code at the end and help you save some money. See, I love shopping at different food boutiques and small grocery stores so I can get that perfect spice, and I'll go back and get it. I'll order it online. That's what you'll do with the things at Eggshells. Kitchen Company. It might be the things I'm looking on their website right now. The Arkansas Made Spices. I definitely recommend those for no seasoning. I love, of course, McLaurin's Barbecue Sauce, the McLaurin's Seasoning. Those are really good items that you can get and unique to the state of Arkansas. But it might be your cookware. It might be the fact that you're thinking, if I just have one pot of the Le Creuset, it would help me in the kitchen. I totally agree. I got your back on this one. You can go online right now, eggshellskitchencompany.com, type in Lisa20 at checkout, and you, my friend, will save 20% at an adorable boutique in Little Rock, Arkansas, eggshellskitchencompany.com. She won most talkative in high school, and she has been running her mouth ever since. Welcome to the Lisa Fisher Said Podcast with your host, Lisa Fisher. Okay, so here we are with the most, I'd say, recognizable guest on the Lisa Fisher Said podcast and the most anticipated guest, Reed Drummond. Thank you so much for being here. Let's start with just news in your life and give us an update on your nephew and your husband and what could have been a catastrophic accident recently there on the ranch. Oh, gosh. Thank you so much for asking about Caleb and Ladd. Yes, they were in an accident on March 10th. Uh, there was a wildfire on the ranch. It was an incredibly windy day, and it was just one of those chaotic situations that they've been in dozens of times, but uh, just sort of a fluke accident, and their fire trucks collided, and they were both pretty seriously injured, but Lad and Caleb are both doing great. Uh, Lad fractured his neck in the accident, and um, it was one of those 
accidents that the doctor said, boy, oh boy, you know, if, if you had been an inch to one side or the other. Uh, but he's doing great. He's in a, in a neck brace, which is bringing out some cowboy patients that he didn't know he had. And my nephew, Caleb, is doing great, too. He broke a couple of ribs and um, had a couple little injuries. But uh, can, can, when you compare, you know, what could have happened and how different today would look, we're just so grateful. So thank you so much for asking. I think people need to realize that you don't live a Kardashian lifestyle where people are sitting around <laughs> being fed grapes and having your makeup done all the time, that you live on an actual working ranch um, in Oklahoma, Northeast Oklahoma, and taking care of Mustangs and all the other things you do, that it's it's a tough job. Yeah, and you know, it is. I, I raised my children on this ranch uh, doing a lot of the same things uh, that, that my husband does every day. And Every now and then you are reminded that it is, is, you know, it can be a dangerous situation. Uh, and, and it, you know, you just assume that everything will always go according to plan. And on that one day, it, it certainly didn't. We didn't expect that to happen at all, but we're, it, it's, it's good that when something turns out so much better than it could have been, that all it does is make you grateful. Uh, so while my husband would prefer not to be in a neck brace for the next three months, uh, he certainly is mindful of, you know, how, how lucky he is not to have to have any uh, long lasting effects. So, well, you've got something else on your calendar and there's a wedding coming up. And so I guess he'll put, you'll put um, pioneer woman fabric around the neck brace and <laughs> he'll look his best. So let's talk about the wedding. Your oldest child's getting married and we've been able to follow that. This is so exciting. Tell us, tell us what you can. So my daughter, my first child, Alex, is uh, getting married. She is 23 years old. She'll be 24 in, in June. But uh, she met her fiance at Texas A&M, which, you know, Aggies have a bond that most of us can't comprehend. <laughs> and I guess that translates to dating life, too. But they, they dated most of college. Uh, he is a really great guy. His name's Mauricio. And He's just really part of our family at this point. Uh, they got engaged last August and the wedding is May 1st. So this is the first wedding in our family. Uh, it is, it's going to be on the ranch, which I don't know what I was thinking, but we're having an outdoor wedding in Northeastern Oklahoma on May 1st. What could go wrong? <laughs> I think uh, there are tornadoes, there are, uh, there's winds, there's uh, fires, but other than that, nothing, nothing well, can go wrong. And, and the manure and the flies and all that. Right. But we're, right. I think because so many things can go wrong, we're sort of, we've already surrendered to the process and we've just decided it's going to be great no matter what. Uh, but we're so excited. And, you know, I grew up telling my daughters, I have two daughters and two sons, but I, I grew up telling my daughters, you know, do not get married until you're 28. Uh, this is how. This is best. This is best. This is best. And here I have a daughter who's 23 getting married, which just goes to show you that I don't know what I'm talking about. And <laughs> but I wrote the book on that. Yeah, I've got kids that do the exact opposite of anything. I've told them I should have used reverse psychology and had them do what I wanted them to do by telling them the opposite. So I, we I botched smart. that up, but I get it. But what's more important is the right person, and, and I, That's right. He, he really is. They're just so so great together, so very exciting. 
And then um, the next one, we've Paige, we follow here in Arkansas because she's at the University of Arkansas. She's a Kappa Kappa Gamma, and we've got so many friends that are part of that great house and great sorority. Is she about to wrap up college? She is actually a junior, so she has one more year. Yeah, and it, it seems like it's gone by so fast because her sophomore year, of course, was interrupted just as everyone's was last spring. And one day at the Kappa House at Arkansas, they said, you all have to move out and not only move out, go home. And so it, it half of her sophomore year was sort of uh, interrupted. Now suddenly she's almost at the end of her junior year. So uh, she loves Arkansas. And Good, great. She actually applied to A&M and Arkansas and I just assumed if she got into A&M, she'd head there in a second because her sister was there. Well, she got into A&M, but she wanted to go to Arkansas. So I think she wanted to blaze her own trail and she, she felt a little bit kind of like Arkansas was her her spot and it, it has turned out to be such a, a great decision and I applaud Paige. Sometimes I don't necessarily applaud her uh, headstrong nature and decisiveness. <laughs> Sometimes I'm like, well, take a little time and think about this. She always knows exactly what she wants to do. And she was right. What Arkansas are the girls, is a great school. It is a great school. And that's where uh, my alma mater, of course. But it's almost a local college for you. It's not that far. Whereas I'm sure um, where A&M is. And uh, what city is that again? College Station. Uh, college Station. That That's a little further for you um, from your area. What are their vocational interests, those girls? Well, Paige is actually in the event, the the planning, event planning, hospitality, uh, nutrition world at Arkansas and uh, that she she's good at it. And she she has a sort of a spring and summer internship with an event planning company. But she's a she's a pretty uh, motivated person with with fun ideas. She got the wrong mother because I am not I've written about this before, but. I am not a crafter and I always I always felt when Paige was growing up like I was failing her because I didn't have glue guns and <laughs> right. we 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 homeschooled in those days and because of that we Paige was around other homeschooling families a lot and it seems like the mothers always had these amazing craft uh, rooms and craft areas in their homes. And I would always think, oh, I hope she doesn't go over to, to their house because Paige is going to see the world that's out there of crafting. But I'm terrible with things like that. But Paige, fortunately, um, surged on in spite of my deficit in that area. And so she's she's in the area that she really wants to be. And Alex actually is working for her mother now in uh, the world of the Pioneer Woman. So uh, she's helping me with a lot of uh, product development decisions for my Walmart housewares line and helps me kind of stay on top of the pile uh, that, that tends to accumulate because I'm a little scatterbrained. So it's, it's great to have her under the PW umbrella right now. And when we met in 2011, you were in Little Rock for um, Central Arkansas Library System does a 
guest speakers for their library week. And we met and we bonded over homeschooling and lip gloss. So yes. forever friends with that. So I was homeschooling at the same time. I homeschooled about 15 years and I know you did uh, for a pretty long time. And so then this was 10 years ago, your boys were little, but now you have one playing college ball, right? At UNT, is that correct? Yes. Uh, so the, the homeschooling, that homeschooling was a definite specific part of my life and I'm so glad we did it. Uh, the boys wound up uh, going to school in Pahuska uh, starting about ninth grade. We were homeschooling and then we kind of were half in, half out, but their passion is sports and uh, specifically football. And we just really thought that it was time for, for us to kind of cross over into the the real school, real, real school world. And so they, they're both uh, quarterbacks and Bryce, my oldest, uh, my older son is now quarterback at University of North Texas. So That's he started awesome. a semester early. So he's kind of a a young freshman at this point. Uh, but we, he, we just kind of shoved him out the door. <laughs> and suddenly he started school in January. And uh, I kept calling him saying, now, do you know how to do this? And do you <laughs> Right. The answer was no in most cases, but he's totally adapted. And Todd, my youngest, is only a sophomore in high school, so I still have him for a couple of years. And then you have a foster child. That's one of our connections then today, since we're raising money here at my house for our local Second Chance Youth Ranch. Tell us about how you got connected in the foster care system of Oklahoma. Uh, yes, I, Jamar is our foster son, and he has been with our family for about a year and a half. Uh, he is 18. He's a uh, technically out aged out of the system but he's now at this point he's a part of our family uh, but he it was it wasn't the type of situation where lad and I felt called or made any sort of decision to become foster parents or or pursue that but it was it was definitely situational and the the circumstances presented themselves to us and we wound up deciding together to uh, bring Jamar into our family and there's been no no going back. We've had a very concentrated uh, year and a half with Jamar and it's it's been wonderful and I, I can't honestly I've heard a lot of foster parents say this but I it's hard to remember life before Jamar. It's kind of it's first of all he's almost six six. He's very tall. He's he's six five and just a just a big strong guy and uh so he's a, he's a large presence in in many ways but he's uh he, he has fit into our family really nicely he and bryce are the same age so you know my boys this has been as much my boys uh experience as it has been lad and me and because they go to school together and football and everything so uh it's kind of been nice because once bryce left for college in january it has really shown me how uh, how much of a supportive, tender relationship he and Todd have. So he and my my younger son. So they're kind of they're kind of bros, and uh, they're not. Bryce and Jamar were more equals, and so they had sort of the natural head butting situations that any any two siblings of the same age would have. Whereas Todd and Jamar just kind of hang and you know enjoy each other. <laughs> 
<laughs> now, did you put Jamar to work? Because I saw your other kids were part of your production crew during the height of COVID. I don't know what the situation is now, but your kids were your film crew, your boom mic, your sound, you, you know, probably edited, did everything. Did Jamar get to work too? Well, interestingly, my uh, when COVID, you're right, when COVID started happening, uh, my regular television crew for my Food Network show is from London. And so they have not been back to the States since uh, February of 2020. But, you know, we, we, did, we wanted the show to go on. So they have actually had a remote producing role and uh, facilitated my children being the camera crew. So uh, in my case, it was my older children, Alex Page, Alex's uh, now fiance, Mauricio, and then my nephew, Stuart. So the four of those kids uh, came and just hopped into the, the roles of, of camera men and women. But the boys still uh, had some school, some football, and so they never really became part of the crew. And uh, at the same time, until October of 2020, Jamar was uh, 17. So we weren't uh, permitted to mention him publicly. Right. And, and, and I, I wanted to take our time anyway and give Jamar plenty of opportunity to kind of tell his own story and, and have, have control of, of his own uh, narrative and not just blast it out there on my social media. So it was nice to kind of have that time to just become a family and before we, we started, um, you know, telling everybody about it. So, uh, that's great. Yeah. That's a great way to present that it's, and it's his story too, to tell. So you have to be respectful of that. Well, let's go back. I loved your book, your your Black Heels and Tractor Wheels, your love story with Lad. And, you know, this is the little girl who grew up on the golf course in Bartisville, Oklahoma, who now is the queen of flowy blouses and casseroles with a lot of cheese and uh, Ritz crackers and all the good things. Did <laughs> And, you know, part of your story in that book was that you were going to go to law school uh, you were an SC graduate. You'd, I remember you'd studied journalism a little bit, but maybe didn't finish there. Did you ever see yourself in this place? Did young Re see herself as grown up Re is doing this of having, um, you know, America's sweetheart, um, all the things that you do? Did you ever picture this for yourself? No. <laughs> in a word. Right. Uh, absolutely not. So there, there are so many aspects of, you know, where I am now in my life that I never could have ever predicted. Uh, I'll, I'll name just a handful. Uh, living in Oklahoma wasn't something <laughs> that, you know, I saw for myself when I was growing up in Bartlesville. Uh, to me, Bartlesville, Oklahoma was a tiny town. It, you know, it was 35,000 people. And so I, uh, that's part of why I went to school in Los Angeles. And now that's a big enough town for me, Los Angeles. <laughs> um, but then here I am, not only in Pawhuska, Oklahoma, which is a town of 3,500, but I'm, I'm west of Pawhuska. I don't even live in town. So that was one thing. Uh, marrying a man who basically is a, a cowboy slash rancher and you know, wears Wranglers and mud on a daily basis. And, you know, I, I liked preppy, cute Catholic <laughs> boys and 
you know, <sighs> surfers and kind of the the guys who played in the band in, in high school. And so anyway, so that's another, of course, we, we love who we love. So uh, that's, that's understandable. Uh, another thing that I've been surprised by through the years is just being a, a businesswoman. That isn't, you know, when I, when I first moved to Pahuska and started getting a group of friends uh, in town, we all got together a few years in and decided to open an, in, to start an investment club. You know, back then it was investment clubs were sort of a thing and we'd get together and talk about, you know, Tommy Hilfiger and um, Amazon. We, I sure wish we would have bought more Amazon back then. <laughs> this was like right. 1999, 2000. But, um, See, I forgot where I was going, but but I I wound up being the treasurer of of our investment club, and I I mentioned it casually to my dad, and he was like, "What? <laughs> You're the treasurer?" So I I was not a business person ever in my life, but but that it you know that I, I now consider myself a, a businesswoman has been sort of a surprise, and uh, just of course being on TV is not something I ever saw for myself either. I I started out taking still photos of the food I was cooking. I was a food blogger. I wasn't on camera, not even in my own pictures. So uh, that's another thing. So basically make plans in life, have an idea of where your life is going to go, and then God will laugh at you and send you in a completely different direction. I think everyone can agree with that. Everyone's nodding, listening right now on their yep. device or watching this on YouTube going, yes, because we've all been there. And um, same thing, like I said, about the raising the kids, the things that you think are good, it's a good fit for them. They're like, no, it's not. And they're always yeah. right. I mean, your kids are right, just as we were right for the direction of our lives. Life so, turns out to be right somehow. Yeah, right. That's yeah. that's exactly right. Um, as far as cooking, so you're just really the girl who started. Well, because I remember in your book you said you may have been a vegan or vegetarian when you met Lad, who is the king of all cattle. I mean, consumes <laughs> all beef products. So right. you had to kind of change. Were you then cooking then as a vegan or vegetarian? Were you trying out recipes then, or was it until you went to the ranch where you thought, "Well, gosh, I got a lot of butter and milk here. I need to do something with." Well, I was a vegetarian. I was never a vegan, but I, I was a vegetarian during my years in California. Uh, I obviously did not have uh, much behind my convictions there because <laughs> when I was dating Lad, he made me a steak, uh, you know, cooked in sizzling butter, and I took a bite and it was all over. So I don't right. think <laughs> I, I respect vegetarians and have, have no problem with that way of life, but I didn't have the the uh, courage of my convictions, let's just say. <laughs> but uh, but yes, I mean, I, see, I when I start talking about steak cooked in sizzling butter, my eyes roll back in my head. So but That sounds so good right now. In terms of cooking, I have always loved to cook. My mom was a very, very good home cook. Uh, and I always chose the cooking tract instead of the sewing. As This goes back to the fact that I can't craft uh, and I don't have a glue gun. I never took the sewing classes. I always took the cooking classes um, and cooked for myself in California. Certainly not butter and cream and beef when I was in California, but definitely was already in the frame of mind that I love to cook. So when I moved to the ranch, uh, that was put to the test 
because we live, uh, you know, a distance from our small town. And while there was a Pizza Hut and, and a couple of other to-go fast food options, it certainly wasn't anything that could sustain us. Like in now, if I lived in a city, I would be dangerous with DoorDash. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I, I love a hotel room because of room service. I like to call and just food arrives <laughs> on my door. Right. So if I had, you know, if I had been married in a, in a civilization early on, I may never, I probably wouldn't have a food network show because I wouldn't have ever had to cook. But when we moved out here or when I moved out here, uh, it, it was real. Like you have, if you want to eat, you have to cook what you eat. And I couldn't, didn't feel right about asking Lad to do all the cooking because he was out, you know, working all day uh, early in our marriage. So it was kind of necessity. And then just, then it became kind of fun. Like I've got to crack the code here with this cowboy palette and this, uh, because they are very, they are a picky people, cowboys, um, and finding and the you, things. Go ahead. Well, I was just thinking, and don't you? I mean, haven't all of our cooking skills kind of been a metamorphosis through the years? So what you started was one thing. Maybe it was just beef, butter, and cream. And I'm just wondering, through the years, has his palate changed? Have your has your repertoire gotten bigger? Definitely has. Uh, it got bigger with kids because just I I was able to kind of uh, get through to them at an earlier stage <laughs> with trying new flavors and things. I think Lad's mom at a certain point just gave up with she she just got into a rotation because she she raised three sons in the country and a, a husband. She raised a husband. And so she, she was an amazing cook too, though. And I, I took a lot of my cues from her. She was very good at cooking uh, very large quantities of food for, she grew up on a big ranch and farm and cooked for harvest and cooked for cowboys. So I, I learned so much from both my mother-in-law and my mother who were both good cooks in totally different ways. Uh, but, but yeah, Lad and his, in terms of his repertoire, it's kind of it's kind of staggering how little it has expanded through the years. Uh, I will sneak in, I'll sneak in a few things here and there, but he's no more inclined to eat creamed spinach or like burgundy mushrooms or, or things like that now than he was in 1996. Oh, and your burgundy mushrooms are one of my favorites. Oh gosh, they're so good. They're they're just amazing. You cook them down all day. It's what every Christmas my family asks for, and the bottle of wine. See, so you have to buy a bottle of wine. Exactly. And I think not you use just about the whole bottle of wine and all the, the whole the whole yeah, thing the, and the button mushrooms, and it just cooks down all day. So I'm sorry that he's not eating that, but it's really better for the rest of you because the thing is, when you live out like you do, and you run out of mushrooms, you just can't run next door (laughs) and get some more mushrooms. So it probably works out for you. Which brings me to the Dr. Pepper pork roast, the pork shoulder butt that you said you felt like a 16 year old boy when you said it was a butt. Pork pork pork, butt. Pork pork butt. Um, So I read that wrong the first time because I'd never cooked with chipotle peppers. I thought you said two to three cans. (laughs) No, it's two to three peppers. 
And I, we were breathing oh. fire. No one could eat it. I mean, we, and oh. I hate tossing out a good piece of meat. Other than that, I even thought about rinsing it, but it, yes. had been, it was in the fiber of that pork. <laughs> oh, so gosh. anyone listening, she does the Dr. Pepper. You get a can of Dr. Pepper and you get two to three Chipotle peppers, not cans. You are actually the second person that has told me that happened. So you're Seriously? not alone, Lisa Fisher. That has happened. Good. I cannot imagine how hot that was because it, uh, I have walked on the wild side and dumped one can in before, and it is almost unable to be eaten because it's no, so spicy. Yeah. yeah. No. Yeah. And I think I did two cans because I thought, I'll just save that third one because she said two to three. <laughs> No, I love peppers. It. Back to peppers. Oh, God. Well, I have two stories like that in my own cooking history. So uh, again, I love to cook. And even in high school, I loved to just cook. And, and so I found a recipe for veggie lasagna back in, this would have been 1986. I'm so good with years because I go by who I was married to, nursing, or right. pregnant with, or dating. So I remember I, I made this veggie lasagna with my high school boyfriend. And I thought it said, I thought it said, it was a fourth a cup of chopped parsley. And back then it was the curly parsley, of course. Fourth a cup. And I thought it said four cups of chopped parsley. So I actually went back to the store because I realized once I started chopping that I didn't have enough parsley. So boy, that lasagna was terrible. And in your teeth. I mean, it would be everywhere. Because, you know, a little bit of parsley goes a long way. Well, my boiled noodle debacle conundrum was the first time I didn't, you know, I didn't know how to cook when I got married. I just made a lot of mistakes. Um, I had the manicotti and I didn't know you had to boil it before you put the red sauce and the meat and the marinara in it. So I just stuffed them in there and put them in the oven and it was like eating cans. So I've, yeah, I have a lot of These are all character building experiences and they're, they're part of our formation formation and we wouldn't be the women we are today. That's right. We haven't done those things. That's right. But I tried to make cooking seem like something that, you know, heroic men and women do. And I remember one time uh, my daughter, in fact, it was a pioneer woman recipe because I thought she can do this. And when I got back, she had the whole dinner made. And I said, well, how did that happen? She goes, mom, everyone makes cooking sound hard. If you can read, you can cook. I go, don't belittle me that way. I go, it's a lot harder than it looks most of the time. I feel targeted. Yeah, right. Exactly. So I thought, well, but it's true. That's why I try to encourage people. If you can read, you can follow the steps and you can cook. So what are you working on now? You have another book project in the midst? I am just finishing up my next cookbook and it'll be out in October. So uh, I got a wild hair and started this one early for a change. Um, By early, I mean on time. (laughs) Right. To me, deadlines are just suggestions. Um, it's, totally. it's how I'm wired. But, and also there's the pressure because of COVID, there are a lot of printing uh, delays and printing back backups. And so I was told in no uncertain terms by my, my editor, who's been my editor since my very first cookbook. And we just, I, I, I can't imagine working with anybody else, but uh, she said, so, we have to get this done by the end of March or 
we're probably going to have to move the date to 2022. And so I knew then they were serious because usually it's just like, is that here yet? Is that here yet? And I was like, oh, another day or two. But this time I started early. I it, It's almost finished and I'm so happy with it. It reflects it reflects my cooking life over the past year plus. It's called Super okay. Easy. Okay, we're going to talk about that. We're going to take a break right here. Come back with the Pioneer Woman in part two. We're talking about food and love and generational farming and ranching this episode. Then I need to introduce you to the Ralston family of North Central Arkansas. It's the Arkansas River Valley to be exact. This is a family, are you sitting down? That has farmed for 10 generations now, 10. The Ralstons are committed to growing and harvesting food for your family just as they have done for theirs. Things like regenerative farming, that's a method where the farmers take a keen interest in the soil and water use and fertilizer fertilizer, the waters from the nearby Arkansas River. Sustainable farming is another tenant of the Ralston family. The family only mills what they grow. They have full traceability from seed to carton. And of course, it's an American-made product and non-GMO. Now for the goods, the delicious rice and six core varieties include white jasmine, white basmati, golden, nature's blend, aromatic purple and red. Ask your grocer to carry Ralston Family Farm products or find them online. Ralston Family farms.com. Women are often the ones who have to navigate care for when mom, dad, and uncle get sick. Am I right? They look to us. Well, if you're looking for in-home care and assistance, I've got a place here in central Arkansas. It's right at home. Right at home was born out of necessity. Lauren Miller's the owner. Her mother had a short but courageous fight with cancer, and she couldn't find good home health care for her mother. So you know what? She started her own company, and since she started it, she's being recognized with awards from her peers, and what she does at Right at Home is the best as far as best of home care leader in excellence and employer and provider of choice. Because, you know, when you're looking for home care, you're looking for someone maybe to come to the laundry or go to the grocery store, or you might need 24-hour care. Right at Home can help with all those things. Go to their website. This is their website. It's literatecare.com. It's in the show notes. But if you need the help, reach out today to Right at Home. We'll continue our conversation with Ree Drummond, the Pioneer Woman, next time on part two of this two-part episode of the Lisa Fisher Said Podcast. Be sure you subscribe so you'll get notifications next time. Until then, sit tight. You're going to meet a valuable member of the foster care system in Arkansas. Okay, I'm here with Rachel Hubbard. She's the house mom and director of Second Chance Youth Ranch. We're talking foster care because we just talked to Reed Drummond. And just for everybody to understand, full disclosure, I invited people to my home for a fundraiser for the ranch. And you got to watch the interview. And wasn't it nice to see uh, just an average American mom, though Reed Drummond is not, (laughs) but just somebody that's a part of our lives is also into foster care. So let's talk about foster care. Define what foster care is and who's eligible for it. So foster care is basically the system we've created to take care of children whose parents can't take care of them or have been abusive to them. 
maybe parents are incarcerated or struggling with addiction, um, struggling with sexual issues. Um, all of our kids at Second Chance Ranch have been removed from an abusive or neglectful family. And what's unique about yours is that you take sibling groups. Yes. Which... If people coming through the foster care system isn't necessarily an only child. Right. Uh, you'd be surprised how many of these families are large families with five, six, seven, 10, 11, who knows how many kids, a lot of kids. And the thing is, these children have been typically taking care of each other because mom and dad have been not not taking care of them. And so we're, their lives are very disrupted when they come into foster care. And for them to be ripped apart from their siblings at the same time that everything else is changing. And these are, it's been their job to take care of each other. I mean, they, they can't heal and get well when they're constantly worried about where their brother or sister is at or when they're going to see them again. These children, they need to keep their families intact as much as possible. You told me about once, we, one family, we were having lunch and um, the 12 year old was like the mom to the family. Yes. Was so worried about the two year old sibling who didn't have proper nutrition. Mm-hmm. That that's the burden that happens in a family when there's dysfunction, when there's abuse, addiction. I mean, all the things that would separate a family. Yeah. Now, knowing that family, we were praying that it was four or five siblings that they could stay together. What, whatever happened to them? So they have been placed with an adoptive family, all five of them together. Wow. One family took yes. five kids. A young couple with no children of their own um, wow, felt like cool. God was telling them, these are your children. And they have, they're doing great. They're thriving. And that is, that's the kind of selflessness that we need to see more of. You know, we need to be stepping up and saying, these kids need need someone and I'll be that person. So is foster care sometimes temporary and then sometimes foster care turns into adoption? Is that yeah. your goal? Right. We want our kids to find permanency, whether that is being reunified with their adoptive family, I mean, with their biological family right. or being placed in an adoptive home. Um, so what we do at the ranch is kind of temporary. It's this weird we call I call myself a middle mom, you know, mm-hmm. like uh, Christy Irwin with Project Zero coined that phrase. And I think it's very perfect. Um, and so we don't get to be there forever. You know, we don't get to be there at the very beginning. But I believe that our time in the middle does matter. We're the ones who say it doesn't matter how broken you are. You come to me and I will help you pick up the pieces. And once you're ready, I will send you with who you're going to stay with forever. How many kids have you been mom now to? Do you know the number? I don't know the number. It's hundreds, though. And now you're a grandma. I mean, you're you yeah. Know, you're about nineteen, <laughs> right? Uh, you're a grandma because some of those kids have had children. Yes, and so um, I go by many names: Mom, Mommy, Miss Rachel, Lolly, Grandma, Grandma Rachel, um, Tata. Sometimes, so <laughs> um, yeah, it's really neat to watch our kids. Who even if we were there just for a short time, you know, raising them uh, to see that they're willing to keep in a connection with us to see that that time mattered, that they want to bring their children back to visit us for holidays and things like that. I mean, there's no greater honor than for somebody to come back 10 years later and say, Hey, you were the one who taught me that I should get my kids an Easter basket. You were the one who taught me how to make spaghetti or whatever. And I, 
That's what I love. I love that we've done it long enough that they're coming back like that now and we're getting to see some of that full circle stuff. Now, Reed Drummond in the interview talks about Jamar, their son, who's yes. 18, and now but legally she can mention his name because mm-hmm. they are protected with anonymity while mm-hmm. they're in the foster care system. Uh, do you see many young adults like that that are almost aging out that become, fo- they're still obviously foster children to some parents who want to take them. So is there a need for those older kids too? Absolutely. You don't stop needing a family because you reach the magical age of 18. And in, in fact, we're pretty pretty immature still at that age, most of us. I know I was. And so um, there is even such a thing as an adult adoption. Um, young adults, you know, you can be adopted when you're 20 or 25 or something like that. Really? And who would do that? I, I, it is so meaningful to these kids oh, for just to have somebody to come back to. And yeah. And the name and the the grandparent status to say, you know, to one day bring their children and say, these are my parents, even if they weren't the parents when they were young. It, it matters. Everybody needs a legacy. Everyone Absolutely. needs a heritage. And so that's what we're creating when we do adult adoptions. Okay. We'll put a link in the show notes to the Second Chance Youth Ranch here in Arkansas. No matter where you're listening, you can donate or maybe a foster care program in your state, country, city, village, wherever you are. This is obviously a need globally, but we know here in Arkansas, we have, uh, we do know of families like yours. And when I say family, the people out at the, the ranch yeah. um, to take care of these families. How many can you accommodate now out at the ranch? I'm about, about 40 total right now. Wow, Rachel, mm-hmm. keeps get, that number keeps getting bigger. That's because the need keeps getting yeah. bigger. I wish, I wish we didn't need to and grow. you have to turn people, you have to turn the state down. All the time. Area. Every every day. Really? You get Daily. a call in the middle of the night. Yes. I can't help you. I'm full. Constantly. I'm full. Okay. Well, this is where people can listen and contribute. And we'll put the donation link in the show notes. God bless you, Rachel. You know I love you. Oh, I love you too, Lisa. Thanks for listening to the Lisa Fisher Said Podcast. Be sure to hit subscribe and download all the episodes and leave a review, won't you? The Lisa Fisher Said Podcast is produced by ClantonCreative.com. Creative.com.